let me just let me just begin this morning by um, looking at our title. We need each other, and this morning, I could use a little bit of prayer. Actually, I could use a lot of prayer from you guys. Had two pieces of news in the last forty-eight hours that uh, kind of hit hard. One thing, if I could get you to just be praying for me, is that our um, our foster son that lived with us for four four or five years um, is in jail and um, looking at a serious charge. And it could be, I mean, short of something. Yeah, we'll probably talk about present time. And that's really hard for when you got somebody you poured so much into and you love a whole lot. And then you're wondering like, well, God, what do you want me to do right now in that situation? And then at 5.30 this morning, we got a text that said that Debbie's uh, brother is, has had a heart attack. And is uh, right now they're doing open heart surgery on him. And when they looked at his heart, it wasn't a matter of being able to put in stents or anything like that. And so um, just pray your prayers for, for Debbie and her brother. So let's just take a minute. Lord, we do need each other, and I'm thankful that um, when we get hard news, that when we're in the family of God, that there are other people with us that can walk alongside us and put their arms around us and, and pray for us. And so if we put these things into your hands, and we put ourselves into your hands this morning, uh, please speak clearly to us and, uh, and through each other. Holy Spirit, you take charge this morning and uh, have your way accomplish your purposes. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Well, I gave you a little th something to think about for today. And let me just see if I can. There we go. I was going to ask <clears throat> for a show of hands of how many people in the, that are here this morning. How many of you um, either are currently attending a life group or have attended a life group? Can I just... See a show of hands? That's good. Because those of you that have your hands up, now I'm going to ask you if you would consider, just maybe, Lee, I, I, you know I'm going to ask you, but just, um, I'd love to take a, a, just a few minutes for three or four people to just come up and just share just a little bit about what that's meant to you and uh, why that's been an important thing to be a part of a life group. And this is a shameless plug for life groups. I mean, if these people that come up and say really bad stuff about their life group, okay, forget it. But, but I'm hoping that they're going to come up and talk to you about why that's been a good thing. So, Lee, would you kick us off? Just um, come on up and talk to us. I will, uh, I will just say I'm going to give another shameless plug to the man who just sat down. Because uh, 25 years ago... <laughs> 
questions that, you know, to get to know one another. And the questions are harmless, and they all deal uh, with things in your childhood. But as we had gone through those questions, I realized that, wow, man, there's a lot of people that have gone through a lot of stuff. And we do need each other to be able to get past those things that the enemy wants to do. So we got this group started. And uh, today, I, I, I'm, I am really, really fortunate to have been in groups for 25 plus years. And there's been different people in our groups. But today, <coughs> I can go to any of those people and we have a point of connection still. Oh, do you remember when we went camping? Do you remember when we put a roof on a house? Do you remember when, and as we continue to grow, you know, as, I, I, as I've talked here before, and, and it's talking about a safe place, the highest compliment that we got was there was a young lady that was there that was going through some stuff, and her heart was just so full. And she said, you know, I'm going to go ahead and say this because I feel that this is a safe place. And life groups are a safe place to, to practice what God's gifting us with. They're a safe place to cry out and say, oh! <laughs> It's, it's that safe, open family place. And it doesn't happen instantaneously. It takes steady, discipline. I don't care what you guys think about me, if I not, even if I didn't take a shower this morning. <laughs> It's not, it's not just those things that are bad, but it's also good things. And as I mentioned before, uh, for the longest time, our group took a summer camping trip. And if you really want to get to know each other, <laughs> live with each other for three days. Uh, it, it's really, really good. And uh, I can highly, highly, highly recommend. If you're not a part of a life group, be part of a life group. Amen. Thank you, Lane. Thank you. That's good. I, I would just like to applaud Lee and Cinda's faithfulness for leading groups for that long. And I can't imagine the impact that they've just had in a very humble and sincere way with those people that are become part of their, their family, their brothers and sisters. Somebody else in a, had a good experience in life group pop up and just say something?
All right. Amen. Well, we appreciate y'all having the vision to start off, because where would we be if it hadn't been for that group? Thank you. Anybody else have a something good to say about a home group before we get started on the rest of the stuff? I have all kinds of good things to say about Well, stand up and say them. <laughs> I love our home group. I've been really excited about it and uh, get to know some couples in the church that I didn't know. Some I already knew, but uh, it's been amazing. We can't wait to connect with each other on Sunday afternoon. Uh-huh. in our midst and we're encouraging each other and like Lee said we, we're connected you know we're connected we just we want to stay connected with each other because the love of God is there and we can be real uh-huh. you know Lee also mentioned that we can be real with each other you know and if we want to scream we can scream if we've got something to pray about we pray about it we're serious and we always welcome the presence Amen. Amen. It's, it's wonderful. I like that. I like that about being real because I have a feeling that uh, Sunday morning in America is probably one of the least real <laughs> places <laughs> or, the, or the hours of the week uh, just in, in most situations for most people. And I guess uh, I, that was my experience growing up and I I wasn't, I was smart enough to say that just really doesn't interest me, you know. God got, got a hold of me later, but yeah. Guys, this is great. And, um, you know, if you didn't put your hand up and you haven't been part of a small group, I hope you just kind of stay open to that idea. Here's, here's a lady back here that, I mean, she sits on this side, I sit on that side. I, I would never have known her, but we've just kind of started a small group. And so I'm getting to know Laura and her kids and um it's wonderful. I, I'm, I'm looking forward to that. I don't have much of a voice, but uh, it's hard for me to be vulnerable. Um, like, I've been here for over a year, and I, I see everyone being vulnerable, but it's hard to be vulnerable in vinegar to the bad by being vulnerable. Yeah. And it feels good to hear other people being vulnerable. 
Yeah. That um, right towards the end of what I had to share this morning, I was going to put up that verse about speaking the truth in love and how um, just that context of being able to be real because you've come to love each other and trust each other. And um, doesn't mean we won't ever have a little <laughs> bump into each other or fences and probably have to forgive each other and <laughs> you know, go on. But um, yeah, that we want, we want that to be real, you know, that, that love and, and trust so that we can open up and, and be honest with each other. I have a, a quote that I'd like to read to you from a gentleman named J.I. Packer that uh, is a very well-known writer and theologian. And here's what he says. We should not think of our fellowship with other Christians as a spiritual luxury, an optional addition to the exercises of private devotions. Fellowship is one of the great words of the New Testament. It denotes something that is vital to a Christian's spiritual health and central to the church's true life. The church will flourish and Christians will be strong only when there is fellowship. Now, I am sharing a lot from a book that Lee and I went over uh, together 25 years ago called Why Small Groups? And it's uh, edited by a gentleman named C.J. Mahaney. So I just want to give credit there. But I'd like for you to take a second and um, turn to that person that's beside you. And there are, there are small groups that are just social clubs. <laughs> and yet... Mr. Mahaney, in this book, says that there are some real biblical foundations. And that's what I would like to do in our next couple of sessions is lay the foundations biblically for why it's important to be a part of, to have these relationships. And, you know, and the way we do it here is in these life groups. So what I'd like for you to do is turn to somebody and just think for a couple of minutes about Biblically, what do you suppose it is that God hopes to accomplish in through these small groups? What what is what is a a biblical focus and foundation for small groups? You know, it's not sharing the gossip, you know, from from the way. Well, then what is it? Okay, and let me let you talk about that for a minute, and then I'll reel you back in and just hear some thoughts, and then I'll. Tell you what C.J. Mahaney says. He thinks the four, he, he puts up four uh, foundations are for small groups. So just turn around and talk to somebody about what do you think the purpose is in, in, uh, for the, our life groups?
Yeah, how did you know? Well, we used to go to Liberty. Yeah, we've known her since she came there. Yeah. Oh. I'm the I'm the chairman of the board at Masters Academy where she I knew somebody had told me that you were on the board. Yeah. So I knew her I yeah. Looking forward to hanging out with her in heaven. Absolutely. <laughs> All right. <clears throat> I mean I'm going to do my camp thing, put my hand up, and kind of give people a chance to wind up. So maybe just kind of popcorn around a little bit. Um, there are many things that you could think of probably that what God would want to see happen in, in a life group. Can you can y'all just tell me some of the things that you came up with? What, what were y'all talking about? That's good. I think about the enemy's plan to like to divide and conquer. And then uh, what the scripture says, forsake, forsake not the assembling of yourselves together. So. Especially as you see the day approaching. What day? The day. The day. Yeah. <laughs> Good. Over here. Give us a couple. Yep. That's wonderful. And it becomes, you know, it's like it goes even further because he grows you in a way you would have never experienced. Yeah. That's so good. Thank you. What else? Yep. We were talking about how they brought up the fact that it's family. It's family. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, if you're all off the Lone Ranger and nobody's speaking into your life, <laughs> good luck with that. I was thinking that same thing. Then it relights. That's good. Yeah. Somebody says we're the only Bible 
I think there's a there's a little bit of humility <laughs> that's required to to agree with this statement. We need each other. <laughs> you know, it's kind of like yeah. I'm not the end all and be all. As much as I would like to think that, you know, I I need you, but hey, guess what? You need me too. <laughs> so, yeah. All right. I, I don't know if this board is in the way to see this. Can y'all see the screen from where you are? Pretty much. Okay. Well, I want to just say, share with you what um, C.J. Mahaney thought that the four goals of life groups were. And his thoughts were, number one is sanctification, which don't worry, we're going to kind of unpack that here in a minute. But sanctification, then mutual care, caring for each other, fellowship, and then ministry of the Holy Spirit. So we've, we're hitting on these cylinders today, and that's, that's good. I'm preaching to the choir. What I, what I like to do, though, is now get you to turn to those same people you're talking about. Because he's, he's used the word sanctification. And so we're going to kind of use a couple of theological terms. We're going to talk about um, justifica our justification and our sanctification. And I've written these words up here because I'm going to have you all this time send somebody to the board and just jot down some notes, okay? But... Um, Justification, I put the little word like the sal salvation, our, our conversion, the U-turn. Um, let me pull this over here. Doing that U-turn spiritually. You know, I was headed on the highway to hell and God rescued me. Now I've turned around and I'm, you know, on that narrow path to life. So that moment, you know, of uh, when we've made the decision to to, to give our heart to Christ, open the door of our lives and let him come in and all that. that that's that momentary thing that happens um, versus sanctification, which is the whole rest of our Christian life. And so um, what I'd like for you to do is just take, a, a, again, two or three minutes to kind of talk about what are some of the characteristics or, you know, what, what could you say about uh, what's true about justification? And then over here, some things that are true about our sanctification because, uh, because Mahaney has just said that small groups are a great place to see our sanctification, our transformation really taking place there. Um, so just what's the difference between salvation and then what God expects to happen in the rest of our life, that, that transformation, how those things happen, um, What's our part in it? What's God's part in it? Questions like that. Um, and then if you can just come up with a, a couple little notes, send somebody up to the front and they can just jot down some things and we'll take about three or four minutes to do that, okay? So turn to somebody and start talking about what's the difference between those two? What are the characteristics? What's different about them?
kind of be thinking about the differences. What's different between these two? And, and then send somebody up to just jot down some ideas about. Like, what's the difference between the two? Send somebody come up and jot down a couple little ideas about how they're different. I got, I got two markers. No waiting. Here you go. Here you go. Don't be shy. We got another marker up here ready for you. Just come on up if you can think of something. What's the difference between the two? Well, let's just go with these. Um, so looking at, at justification, which like your conversion moments is this, this revelation that finally I'm in. Yeah. And then, yes, this is good. A definition for justification. You're declared to be just as if I had never sinned. Good. Transformation is a sanctification than being set apart. Maturing in holiness, that's really good. <laughs> He's still working on me <laughs> to make me what he wants me to be. <laughs> yeah. My husband used to sing, She's still working on me to make me what she thinks I ought to be. <laughs> you know, I have heard. I have heard the audible voice of God through my wife, you know. <laughs> oh, my. I, um, yeah, let me, let me share a quote with you from another very highly respected uh, author, Bible teacher, theologian, a guy named Wayne Grudem. And here's what he said. Talk about justification. He said, justification is an instantaneous, so we didn't mention that. This takes a second, and that takes the rest of our lives, right? An instantaneous legal act by God into which, number one, he thinks of our sins as forgiven and Christ's righteousness as belonging to us. And then, two, he declares us to be righteous in his sight. So, just as if I had never sinned. That's a wonderful thing, you know. Can we just thank God for, for justification? Just real quick, how many people in the room are justified today? All right. 
Good. Well, you notice that um, you notice that C.J. Mahaney didn't really talk a lot about small groups being the place for people to come and be justified to get saved. Although it could happen. I mean, that'd be awesome, you know, have somebody come to your small group and accept the Lord. But what he was talking about more, he said the focus for him was more on this side, and that is the sanctification. And so I'd like to show you what uh, Wayne Grudem thinks about sanctification. So here's another quote. He says, sanctification is a progressive work of God and man. Notice that. A work of God and man. There's some collaboration, some cooperation, a willingness to work together. Uh, the humility to say, God, you know, he's still working on me. Go have at it, you know. But it's a, a progressive work of God and man that makes us more and more free from sin and more and more like Christ in our actual lives. And so from the book, here's a little quote. It says, that's the goal of the Christian life, isn't it? Increasing freedom from sin and increasing resemblance to Jesus. Small groups provide an ideal context for this to occur. I just want to take a second and just talk to you about your spiritual pedigree coming to a, being in a charismatic church, okay? Church, uh, this is just a little slice of church history that I find interesting. And that is that the charismatic movement, uh, also called a neo-Pentecostal movement, came from the Pentecostals back there on Azusa Street in California in the early 1900s. Though that Pentecostal movement grew out of the holiness movement. So holiness churches are related to us in the long history of the church. And the holiness movement sprung out of John and Charles Wesley and their movement that they began, which Wesleyanism is now, believe it or not, we're distantly related to the Methodists. But what was happening for them was that they didn't want to be just a bunch of pew sitters. <laughs> they wanted to see people's lives really being changed. And so they kind of developed these methods for really putting into practice, you know, what, what God wanted to do in people's lives. And so as I think about um, where we are today, we, we still need that. We still need to be serious about our own transformation and about growing and letting God do his work in our life. I think there's so many churches where every Sunday the message is about this. Every Sunday they have an altar call, you know, to, to come up and be saved. And, you know, people keep going up and keep going up and going up. And really, everybody could have put their hands up. Like most people say, yeah, I've been there, done that, you know, got the t-shirt or whatever. But really, so much of our, our experience now is this stage of where we need to be seeking God for, okay, now what are you going to do in me? How, how are you going to help me to grow? How are you going to transform me, become more like Christ? And so this idea that this is a thing that can, that, that small groups are an ideal place for this to, take, to, to happen is for us to end these relationships that we can begin to open up because we love each other and trust each other and begin to go deeper and we can begin to see God doing some amazing things in our life. Let me show you this slide. Um. This is talking about sanctification and using the word being transformed. 
And I, and I just have this question. What has God used in your life to really transform you? You know? <laughs> so I hear Lynn just talk about tribulation. I have to, say, I have to agree with that, right? Well, what else has God used in your life to, to help to really begin to, to change you? Because I, I hate to say this, but... Somebody could get saved and 32 years later, they're sitting in their same place on that same pew and not really experienced a whole lot of transformation. And it's God's heart to see us transform because when we're set free and when we're healed and when we're more like Jesus, I mean, we're happy, we're peaceful, we're full of joy we're glorifying him, you know, just because of the miracle of, of what he's doing in our life. Yeah. Yeah. Through, yeah. Very painful, and it's drawing me nigher. To, it's drawing me nigh to him. Mm-hmm. And he's telling me in this that you get uh, in your sin, you get temporary pleasure. In me, you get power. You get life. You yeah. Get yeah, that's I good. Always be your first priority. Don't ever put anybody above. You. Yes. Yeah. Mm. That's good. Thank so you. He's got me to that point now where I got I got to stay on that rock, not fall off. Uh huh. Yeah. We need to defeat our, sl- our flesh. The devil's already been defeated. Uh-huh. Everyone blames the devil for everything. All he can do is tempt you. If you decide to do something, it's you. Yeah. 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 Yep. Appreciate that. Yes. Meditating on that can put a great uh, freedom. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. And that even if we fail, we'll get right back up and allow Him mm-hmm. to do that work in us. I, I think you're really hitting on a really foundational idea that a lot of this is talking about our, our true identity. And we are surrounded by lies. <laughs> and we live in a world full of lies. So, so, so do you mind if I take that question a little bit farther I, I agree with you a thousand percent but what's God how has God accomplished that what what, what method what strategy what what can we do to get there I mean that's one of the things that I don't know if I listen to teaching that brings us back to the plumb line of Christ what he's done what he's doing yeah the scriptures that speak like an yes Yeah. And we and we may not be acting like we're in Right. But as we meditate on the word it'll become a part of it. Yes. So so we're I'm hearing scripture. God can definitely use scripture to kind of show us things. And and good teachers that we have confidence and trust in. Yeah. They can speak to those areas in our life. Somebody else had a hand up? I was just answering the, the what has God used to transform you. I think that being 
Yeah, yeah. And that can happen in a life group. You might be around somebody. I mean, have y'all met Laura? She's a little different from me in some ways. I think we're really kindred spirits in other ways. But <laughs> take a look at this. Um, here's a couple of quotes from the book. Small groups contribute to this magnificent and gradual work of grace in our lives. This transformation. And it says, small groups provide the encouragement, correction, and accountability that can keep us from drifting. And that, that's kind of, I think Lee was hitting on that. You remember the story, talk about some accountability of, of uh, King David after his uh, debacle with Bathsheba. He had a true friend in the prophet Nathan who came and because of the trust and the depth of the relationship was able to say, you know, you are that man. And David could receive it because of that relationship. We kind of started with this and we're kind of winding up with this then. About speaking the truth in love, we will in all things grow up into him who is the head and that is Christ. And we need this, these relationships. We need this level of trust. The ability to open up. To go deep. To be able to talk about these kind of things. And be real with each other. Why? So that God can continue to do his healing. I, I, I think about healing. I think about sometimes uh, like conviction. Just, just being aware of things I wasn't aware of before. Somebody else outside of me who's looking at me that cares about me and wants what's best for me but can kind of see things that blind spots. I'm probably the king of blind spots, you know. And yet to have people around me that love me and, and God's put in my life to be able to speak that to those things and for me to be in a place where I can receive them, you know, is a beautiful thing. One part of that transformation is accountability. It says nothing changes us more effectively than the application of Scripture. Small groups are an ideal context for appling, I put down, yeah, applying God's Word. And um, I, I know that some of the life groups, when they meet together, what they'll do is after the, the message on a Sunday, everybody's in there kind of taking notes. And though, so then when they meet in their group, they kind of go deeper. Or they talk about, now how does that apply to me? You know, the Bible talks about looking in a mirror and then walking away and forgetting <laughs> what you just saw. And so this idea that we can be transformed if we will take the truth that we hear and then take it to heart. You know, and so that's a great thing that can happen in small groups is that we can we can take this truth that we're being exposed to and really begin to bring it home and say, now, how does that how is that going to change my life? Here's a quote from James that says, be doers of the word and not hearers only deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word, not a doer, he's like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and he goes away and at once forgets what he was like. So having this time with other 
with your family in Christ to say, now what have we heard and how can we really take that to heart? How can we be changed and transformed by that? Is a, is a well, one way that God uh, accomplishes this, this um, transformation. Got a little assignment for you last week. I said I wanted to hear from people who were parts of small groups and kind of a little plug, a testimony there. This week, I want you to think about uh, this question here. Be thinking of ways that a life group could fulfill God's command and Jesus' last command. Remember there in the upper room, he looked around at the disciples and he said, a new commandment I give to you, love one another. Um, I, I started off last week just saying, it's hard for me when I drive 20 minutes from up on Union Mills and I'm down here and I have just a couple minutes to like shake your hand or, you know, we say hey or whatever. Then after the service, we'll maybe say goodbye and we're gone. And you went 20 minutes off towards Ellenborough. And like, what do I know of your needs or your struggles or where do you need encouragement or whatever? How can I even begin to be a real brother in Christ to you? And so that's been a burden to me. And I want to do that, but I, I, I mean, it's hard. And maybe back in the day when people didn't have cars and they live, you know, just two or three houses over from the church, you know, everybody was part of that. You were your neighbors that you were commanded to love. But um, how do we do that in our society? And how might a, a life group help us to really fulfill that, that commandment? How could we, what are some practical ways? Just, and we'll start off maybe with this next Sunday. Just think about what are some real ways that we could love each other if we were found ourselves in a, in a life group like that? Let's just commit this time then to the God's hands. And Father, thank you for being here with us, for your truth. Thank you for the relationship that you so earnestly desire with each of us and for the great links that you went to be able to restore us and reconcile us to yourself. And now as we look at ways to try to draw closer to each other and fulfill this commandment and be witnesses to a world that's full of broken relationships, help us, Lord. Help us to be humble enough to recognize that we need it and to be open to what you want to do in our lives. We thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Y'all have a great week.